What a great blessing from God, isn't it? To worship Him, to come into this place, to sing praises to Him, to be a part of this event in the lives of the children who God has blessed our church family with. Uh, it's, it's a great, great day. Great day to be in God's house and uh, to worship Him. It's also a great day to hear His Word for our life. And, and uh, as we uh, do that now, I want to invite you to take uh, from your worship guide the message notes that are there. And uh, take a pen in hand and, and open your Bibles, if you have them, to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We're continuing today in a message series from those verses there. And uh, we are calling this series, Back to the Basics, Foundations for a Mature Faith. And uh, so as we uh, look at the scriptures this morning, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, you can follow along as they are behind me on the screen or there in the message notes or in your Bible. But uh, the writer of Hebrews writes this. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. If you have a pen and you have those message notes, uh, circle those words in that passage, elementary and maturity, because that's the goal of this series that we're in, as the goal is to help all of us grow in our understanding of certain foundational truths of the Christian faith, so that those truths become the foundation on which we can grow into spiritual maturity. And as I say that, can I say that's what we're about here at First Covenant Church? We're here because we want to help you, we want to help all of us grow from spiritual infancy and spiritual adolescence uh, into becoming a spiritually mature follower of Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 6 that there are some things that we've got to have as a foundation to our faith, some understandings of some elementary truths of God's Word. And, and those truths got to be built into our lives if you and I are going to have a mature faith. And so would you take that diagram that's there in the message notes and, and fill in the blanks that are there. Uh, the first two building blocks that are already filled in for you, repentance and faith, uh, are, are what we looked at last week. And if you weren't here uh, last week to hear that message on genuine repentance and saving faith, uh, you can go to the church's website and download that. Uh, there's a message player there, or you can call the office, order a CD. And, and if you're someone who's here today and, and maybe you're a newcomer or you're someone who's trying to figure out what the Christian faith is all about, uh, maybe you're not sure if you've really experienced genuine repentance and saving faith, I hope that you'll listen to that message last week because I think it'll, it'll help you to come to an understanding of what that's all about. And then in the last of the building blocks, uh, over on the right-hand side on the bottom, uh, put uh, the word baptism. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as genuine repentance, saving faith, and baptism are, are so important to the beginning of our relationship with God. And then in the top block on the left, right in the words, laying on of hands. And I hope you're going to be back again next week when we talk about what that means and what the implications are of that for us and, and the power that there is in that uh, through the Holy Spirit. And, and then in the uh, next block on the right, put the word resurrection. Because this life is not the only one there is. 
and in a couple of weeks we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. And, and then the last word to put in is judgment, and we'll conclude the series in a few weeks looking at the reality that there is one to whom you and I will ultimately give an account to for our life. Well, this morning let's dive in and see what the Bible says about the nature of Christian baptism. And to do that, I, I want to I wanna just ask a few questions today and answer some of those questions and, and help us come to a better understanding uh, of this topic or this truth of the scripture of baptism. And so the first question that we want to ask this morning is, at First Covenant Church, why do we make such a big deal about baptism? And the answer to that is because Jesus said that baptism is essential. If you're filling in the blanks, put in that word essential. Jesus says that baptism is essential to our mission of making disciples or making followers of Christ. And so, quite frankly, the reason that we make a big deal about baptism is because Jesus made a big deal about baptism. He says it's an essential part of becoming a follower of Christ. In fact, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Jesus is about to uh, go back to heaven. He's been crucified on the cross. He's been raised from the grave. And uh, he's meeting with his followers, his disciples, one last time. He's about to ascend into heaven. And, and it says that Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus is saying that, that it's essential. This baptism is essential along with making disciples, this whole process. And, and then 10 days uh, after Jesus goes back to heaven, uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon his followers on that day we call Pentecost in the life of the church. And, uh, and after being filled with God's Spirit, Jesus' followers go out into the streets of Jerusalem and they tell others about Christ. And, and the Apostle Peter is preaching to this huge crowd of people. And at the end of his message, uh, hearing the gospel, hearing the news about Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins, the people cry out to him and say, what must we do to be saved? And in Acts chapter 2, Peter replies, each of you must repent of your sins. There it is, genuine repentance. And turn to God, saving faith. Those are the things we talked about last week. And he says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. All of you have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Isn't that a great day? I mean, 3,000 people coming to faith in Christ and being baptized. And, and so you see what's going on here is genuine repentance and saving faith that we talked about last week are linked together with baptism and are a part of how God works in people's lives through His grace and His salvation from the sin in our life that has separated us from him. And so understanding this important link, I want to say to us this morning, I want to encourage us not to say what I've heard folks say at times uh, when I have rubbed shoulders with people in the life of the church over the years of ministry. And I've heard sometimes people say, well, you know, baptism, it's just not that important. 
You know, I, I hope we will never say that. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus says that if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to be bringing people into the kingdom, one of the first steps of obedience that people need to take is to be baptized. And I don't think we ever want to treat as, uh, of secondary importance what Jesus says is essential. Now, now, before we're done today, there are going to be some things that I may say about this subject of baptism in which, you know, with which you're going to disagree. And if that's the case, you know, it's going to be that maybe we're just going to agree to disagree, and that's okay. But, but let's at least not say what is not scriptural. And that is to say that baptism is not important. In the words of Jesus, it's an important part of making followers of his. It's an important part of that process. It's, an, it's, an, it's a, an incorporation, so to speak, into the life of his body, God's family, that we call the church of Jesus Christ. Well, understanding that, that baptism is important, let's, let's ask the next question. What is the meaning of baptism? What is the meaning of baptism? And, and there is a richness in the meaning of baptism that I want us to understand today so that we can go from this place rejoicing as people who've been baptized. And, uh, and first of all, in answering that question, I, I want to say today that, that baptism symbolizes the washing away of our sin by God's grace. So taking notes, put in that word washing. Baptism symbolizes the washing away of our sin by God's grace. In Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, Uh, 1 Corinthians, he talks to the people in the early chapters about how their lives were all caught up in sin before they came to faith in Christ. He says, you're separated from God. And he talked about some of the the behaviors that they were into, and and he even calls some of those behaviors wicked. And uh, and he says that because of that, some of them were were living wicked lives. And uh, and so in chapter 6, verse 11, he says this, that's what some of you were. But he says, but. I mean, here's the good news. You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. What's that word justified means? It means that, in other words, we were made righteous in God's sight by God's mercy and by God's forgiveness of sin. We were, we were washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, and by the Spirit of God. And then he says to, to Pastor Titus in, in Titus 3, Same thing. But when our our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And then talking about this baptism and washing of water and putting all this together, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not as a removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we need to understand this morning that this verse is not saying that baptism alone is what saves us. It isn't baptism alone that gives us salvation. And we saw that last week. We saw that in that message where we talked about genuine repentance and saving faith and what all that means. And and we saw that quite clearly. 
But here this morning, what we're seeing is that baptism is a part of how God works in the lives of his people through his grace. And, uh, and, the, and the Bible clearly teaches us, as you have there in the message notes, uh, that salvation is received by grace through faith, that baptism follows repentance and regeneration. And, and also you have there in the message notes some scriptures where you can look at a little bit later and see how the scripture talks about that, that circumcision, which was a sign of being God's people in the Old Testament, and baptism, which is a sign of being God's people in the New Testament, aren't what save us. It's, it's not that outward thing, that, that outward act that makes us a child of God. But rather, it is the faith that goes on in a person's heart. It is that saving faith that we talked about last week. And so, really, to, as we look at all of the scriptures that speak about all of this stuff, to say that, as some Christians do, that, that baptism washes away original sin. Or, or that people are forgiven and saved uh, purely through, through baptism. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. And, and to say at the same time, as some Christians do, that, that people who aren't baptized aren't saved when they die if they've never been baptized, that, that's not what the Bible teaches as well. What the Bible teaches as we look at all of this together is that baptism is an important part of our salvation, but baptism alone isn't what makes us a Christian. As Jesus says in Matthew 28, it's a part of that disciple-making process. It's a part of us being incorporated into the life of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Well, not only is there this wonderful meaning of baptism in regard to the washing away of our sin, but the Bible also says that, that it symbolizes our dying and are rising with Christ. And this is some wonderful imagery here as we'll see together. In 1 Corinthians 15, the, the, the Bible says Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And then in Colossians 2, it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And what's going on here is that the Bible is teaching us that when you and I genuinely repent, when you and I genuinely come in Christ with saving, to Christ in saving faith, what happens spiritually to us is that we die to self. We die to the sin that is in our life. And not only do we then die to all of that, but the Bible says we're born again, right? Born into a new life. Jesus talks about that in John 3. In other words, the old sinful person is no more. As the Holy Spirit has opened up our hearts and our minds to understand and receive the gospel and the good news of Jesus, the Holy Spirit enables us to confess our sins to Christ, and the Spirit of God takes up residence in your life and in mine. And the Bible talks about this in terms of being a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, when Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God, comes into your life and mine, it's what's called spiritual conversion. And the Bible says at that moment, we are united with Christ. We are uh, uh, in Christ. Our life is attached to Christ. And so what the scriptures are saying is that baptism is a wonderful symbol and imagery of all of that. Is when we go down into the waters of baptism. It's signifying that we are going, you know, we're dying to self. We're dying to sin. And when we come up out of the waters of baptism, it's a wonderful image 
of this resurrection life that is ours. A new life that we can live here on earth by God's grace. And then ultimately life in heaven when you and I leave this earth and we get to be with God for eternity. And the scripture talks about this all and puts this all together in Romans 6 when Paul says in verses 3 and 4, don't you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what's going on here is that baptism, you see, outwardly symbolizes this inward reality that you and I, by God's grace and salvation, have died to ourselves, have died to sin, and we've been raised to new life in Christ. And not only is it these scriptures that speak about it, but the word baptism itself speaks about that. Uh, in the Greek New Testament, the original language in which the Bible was written in the New Testament part of it, part of it anyway, the word for baptism is that Greek word baptizo and literally means to, to dip under water, to immerse. And that's why baptism is practiced by the church in the New Testament and by the early church uh, was by immersion. Unless, of course, there was a problem with that due to a lack of water in certain desert locations. And in fact, the earliest worship book of the church, the Didache, it's called, uh, gave instructions about baptism. And it says, baptize if a pool of water is available. And if you're in an area where there's no pool of water available, then pour water on the person. And if you're out in a desert climate where there's not even enough water to do that, then sprinkle water on them. But that kind of baptism was not generally the norm. The norm was to immerse. I mean, that's what the word means. And maybe as I say that, you're thinking to yourself, well, in the New Testament, are there also words for pour and sprinkle? And yes, there are. But they're never used in connection with baptism. Baptism means to immerse. And so because we are driven by the scriptures, uh, we always seek to immerse when we practice believers' baptism. Unless there's some extenuating circumstances, uh, such as the time I, I baptized someone just prior to their death, uh, in the hospital. But you know, when, when in a little bit we have a baptism here and, and the waters of baptism or, or when we're out in the summertime at the pond at Lakeside and we do baptisms, what's going on there is it's, it's reflecting this wonderful image of the meaning of baptism. That we are connecting with Christ. We're uniting with Christ in His death and in His burial and in his resurrection. And not only is that some of the meaning of baptism, but then lastly we see this morning there's that wonderful meaning of baptism in that it symbolizes our new life. Our new life as a Christian. In other words, that we can actually go through life freed from sin, forgiven by God and His grace, and we can live for God as you and I live life here in this world. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. The old life has passed away and the new life has begun. There in your message notes, I've placed a, a passage of Scripture, Romans 6, and I put in there verses 1 through 14, but I encourage you to go home and don't just read verses 1 through 14. Sometime today or tomorrow, 
Look at Romans 6 and read that whole chapter. And you're going to see all throughout the verses the new life that that the Scripture speaks about, that that Paul speaks about. For instance, there at the end of verse 4, when he talks about walking in a newness of life. Because you see what's going on there. When the Bible talks about this new life that you and I live as God's people, as children of God, it's like saying that baptism is a way of, of God putting His stamp on us. Baptism is this seal that the Scripture speaks of that's, that's placed on us, like, like the king would put a seal uh, on an important document. Baptism becomes that seal on you and me, saying that, that we are Christ. We are officially, in a way, His property. We are under new management, so to speak. And so is the baptized. The Scripture calls us to, to live that way. The Scripture calls us to wear our baptism with great honor and joy because we belong to Jesus Christ. All the promises that God gives to His people here in the Scripture apply to you and me. When we are His followers and we've genuinely repented of our sin and come to Him in saving faith and have been baptized. You see, our baptism when paired with, with repentance and with faith gives us a unique identity as being children of God. And God calls us then to live in that new life. In Seoul, South Korea, there's a woman whose life was radically changed by the grace of God. She, She genuinely repented of her sin. She came to saving faith in Christ and she was baptized. And to talk about her life, I want you to come with me for a moment to Yoido Island, an island out in the middle of Seoul, South Korea. A place where people are jam-packed into 20-story high-rise buildings. 200 families, as many as 1,000 people living under that one roof. And the anonymous lifestyles that that forces people to live in is, is just unbelievable. There was a church in one of those neighborhoods that, that put a cards in several of those buildings and the card said, are you lonely? Come join a group for lonely people. And so many people showed up. They couldn't handle the barrage of folks that came to the group. Well, there's this woman who lives in one of those apartment buildings. And her life's been transformed by Christ. And she knows Jesus. She's discovered the joy of Jesus living in her heart and living for Him each day. And so one day, she, realizing all these people around her that didn't know Christ, prayed, Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to know how I can show these people your love and and that they might come to know your love. She didn't know what to do. and So she took her Bible and she went down the hallway and she knocked at the first door she came to. and, And when the door opened, she said, Hello, my name is Mrs. Lee and... And I live just down the hallway from you. Would, would you like to have a Bible study with me? <laughs> Boom, slam, the door you know, closed in her face. And, she, and so she went to the next door and the next door, all with the same results. She went back to her bedroom and she got down on her knees and she prayed, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Would you show me what to do? She said the the Holy Spirit of God impressed on her heart to go stand in the elevator. She 
thought that was a bit strange. So she said, okay, Lord, uh, what do you want me to do when I get into the elevator? And she just sensed God saying to her, just go stand in the elevator. So she went out of her apartment. She went to the elevator, got in, doors closed, didn't go anywhere. She just stood there and she said, okay, Lord, here I am. Take me where you want me to go. Pretty soon the elevator began to move and went down to the ground floor and the doors opened and there standing was a woman who was juggling sacks of groceries after her trip to the market. She had two little children with her and they were hanging on to her and their noses were dripping and they were crying. They were all tired from the trip to the market. She thought, Lord, now I see. And so she stepped out and she said to the woman, let me help you with your groceries and, and, and the children. And she stepped back into the elevator holding the groceries. And when they got to the woman's apartment, she went in and she set the groceries down. And, and as she's leaving, she says, hey, anytime you want to go shopping, I'll go with you, help you with the shopping help you with the kids you know thank you very much the door closed she runs she gets back in the elevator she says here i am again lord (laughs) you know in that apartment building she became known as the lady on the elevator (laughs) who was there to help the elderly man or the young mother or anyone else who needed it And you know what? Today she has five Bible studies going on in that building. And she's loved by everybody. And all she did was come to people with a servant heart and give herself away to them with the love of Christ that was in her. Because she was washed clean of her sin when she genuinely repented and came to Christ in saving faith and she was baptized. She lives life as a baptized child of God. As she lives for the good of others and to the glory of God. At this point, I'm almost out of time if we're going to be able to celebrate some of the baptisms we want to celebrate and have planned for this service. And uh, at the first service, I took some time and I addressed this. I don't have time to do that today. But obviously, with all of the different traditions that people come out of here in the life of this church, uh, there are many of you here today um, who've been baptized as infants. And uh, some of you have had your children baptized as infants. My wife believes in infant baptism, okay? There are others of you uh, who have uh, had, as we had here this morning, a service of dedication for your infant children, and you're going to wait to baptize your children until they make a commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a believer's baptism, as I am. It's interesting in a family where one is an infant Baptist and one's a believer Baptist. (laughs) And uh, we talked about that at the first service. And I want to say that if you want to know more about that, obviously I don't have time this morning to address all that. I've got a handout that we've created and it's at the office. And uh, if you send an email to me, I'll send it to you electronically. Or if you call the office ahead, we can have a copy waiting for you. And, and what it is, is it's a study of all of the different theological understandings of baptism. It's a study of the way that different groups uh, you know, interpret the scriptures. But I want to say this morning that this is an issue that has divided the church for centuries. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, but, but hundreds, a few hundred years ago, Christians were actually drowning each other over this issue, a terrible chapter in the life of the church. 
As those who believed in infant baptism were saying to those who believed in believer baptism, you want to be baptized? We'll baptize you. And they would literally drown them in the rivers and the lakes of Europe. Because of that, the evangelical covenant church is saying, we are not going to divide with one another over this issue of baptism. We're going to let families look at the scriptures and look at all the understanding of that that we talked about in the first service. And we're going to let them come to their own understanding as they study the scripture and let God lead them in the way that God would lead them. And so we as a church are one of the very few Christian churches that exercise both modes of baptism. Now understand, we don't believe that infant baptism is infant salvation, okay? We, we don't believe that because of all that the Scripture says. But we understand that there are people in the life of the church who baptize their infants because they w- believe that in doing so, that child is experiencing the blessing of God and growing up in the church can one day come to know Christ in faith. And so for them, infant baptism is an anticipation of God's grace in the life of that child. For those of us who believe in believer baptism, we believe that God's doing the same thing in that infant dedication that occurred this morning. And and that 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 child will grow up in the life of a Christian family and a home and a church and, and hopefully will one day come to know Christ. And when they're baptized, their baptism then becomes a celebration of God's grace. We don't have time today to look at all that like we did in the first service, but, but, but I want to say that that's what we need to be about in the life of the church of Jesus Christ and not divide over those issues. And if you want to learn more about that and what each of those groups believe, I encourage you, give me a, give me a call or send an email, call the office. We'll get that handout into your hands. But before we end this message, I, I want to say that that hopefully we've seen this morning how baptism is one of those foundational truths that go along with with the the scriptures and uh, um, that go along with uh, uh, repentance and, and genuine saving faith. And no matter how it all works together, God uses it in your life and mine. And so as we hear this today, maybe there are some of you out there who who are are saying, hey, I've never been baptized. And and as you hear this, maybe you're thinking, when should I be baptized if I've not been baptized before? And uh, and I want to say to you, if that's the case for you, I I just hope and pray that you'll see what we've said this morning and that you'll be baptized as soon as possible. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, It says those who accepted Peter's message that day on the day of Pentecost were baptized. About 3,000 people in one day came to faith in Christ and got baptized. What a marvelous day that had to be. And then in in Acts chapter 8, verses 12, it says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in, in, in the name of Jesus Christ, after they believed, they were baptized. Same day. And then a little later on in the chapter, there's a wonderful story of, uh, of, of Philip ministering to this Ethiopian who he meets along the way as he's traveling. And it says, And Philip uh, began with the Scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the man said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the man answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God's marvelous work of salvation. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. 
I want to say to you today, if God has poured his grace out in your life, and God has, when you genuinely repented and came to him in saving faith, has forgiven you of your sin, be baptized. Jesus says it's so important. It's so important in obedience to him. It's so important in, in, in this faith process. Don't wait until you're perfect. We're never going to be perfect until we get to heaven. But if you've repented of your sin when you're six years old as I did, you need to be baptized if you've never been baptized. If you repent of your sin when you're 16 years old, you ought to be baptized. If, if you repent of your sin when you're 26 years old, you ought to be baptized. The oldest person I ever baptized was in his late 80s. Preached a funeral for his wife. She was a godly woman who loved the Lord and had been praying for her husband's salvation. For 60 years she had prayed for him. And after the funeral service where the gospel was preached, he came to me and he said, I want to be with her one day. I want to know Jesus. I want him in my life so I can become the kind of person my wife was, so I can become like Christ. And I had the joy that day praying with him, the joy of seeing him come to faith in Christ through the forgiveness of sin. And a few weeks later, we baptized him there at the church. And he lived a changed life until that day when he went home to be with the Lord. And what a, what a marvelous celebration his funeral service was. What about you today? Has God in His grace done a work in your heart like we talked about last week and you've genuinely repented and believed? If so, God's Word says you ought to be baptized. And I trust that that will be the case for you. If you've never been baptized, that you'll be baptized soon for your good and for the great glory of God. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the truths of your word. And Lord, we pray that if there are any here who are young or old and who've never experienced your work of grace in their heart and have genuine, never genuinely repented and believed, that they would do so and they would be baptized. We know that the step of baptism is a step of obedience and pleases you. And so, God, I pray that and if there are any here who are struggling with pride or with fear, I pray that our only concern would be obedience to the truth of your word for our life. And that the truth of your word would compel us to declare you, O oh God, to be the Lord of our life through the witness of our baptism. Father, we pray for this today. And we pray that in these next moments as we celebrate together the joy of baptism, we pray that you would be present here in a very special way through the power of your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, and all God's people in agreement said, Amen.